there was a lot of ageism in the workplace. Not that there still isn't, but it was just right on the edge. You could see it. People wore it on their sleeves. But as this pandemic has kicked through and thrown sand into all the gears of this economy, all of a sudden there's a brand new market for talent and expertise and knowledge and value. And a lot of that resides in this work tier right. of people of the second half of life. So it isn't all just, oh, the glass is half empty. The glass actually is at this moment pretty half full. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who would love to come into a talent pool like this and introduce their projects. I think this is an inflection point and a change point in the economy. And I think it's going to benefit people in the second half of life in their work life significantly. Hey everybody, John Chisholm here. Welcome to the All the Best podcast. It's my own special blend of motivation and devotion designed to help you find all the best in life. I just believe there's always a way to make your life better. I want to help you get there. Nothing's going to be off limits in this show. We're going to talk to amazing people from all kinds of backgrounds, beliefs, and points of view. We're going to be bringing you insights, advice, and inspiration to guide you into the coolest chapters of your life and maybe help you actually enjoy your time here on planet earth so buckle up kids this is gonna be fun hey guys welcome back to the show you probably know that small businesses are the backbone of america despite the way the big box businesses and corporations make it look. And with all the financial upheavals and COVID and downsizing that's happened over the last few years, more people than ever are starting digital businesses as the whole world goes online. But something that many haven't realized is that a large portion of these would-be entrepreneurs are over the age of 40. Well, my guest today, Rick Terrian, is a lifelong entrepreneur and expert what it takes to start and maintain your own business. He is the author of the book, Ageless Startup, Start a Business at Any Age. And our conversation is very important for you if you've started a new business, you think you might in the near future, or you have a friend or family member taking the plunge. I spoke very openly with Rick about how I became a reluctant entrepreneur seven years ago at the age of 58 when i found myself in a place of extreme liminality not knowing what i was going to do as a 58 year old with seemingly few options in my former career field we talked about the millions of baby boomers edged out of the workforce and the challenges that they face we talked about outright ageism and how to find yourself again as you start over in life well, Rick has a lot of solid advice and encouragement for anyone who may be considering a startup. And one of the most important things he says is to start small and start smart. I think you'll find a lot of wisdom and encouragement in this episode, even if you're not starting a new business. And be reminded that you always have value to bring at any age. So thanks for checking out this episode, and I hope that you'll take a moment to share it out to someone who might need some love and encouragement today. So without further ado, here's a wonderful entrepreneur, author, speaker, my new best friend, Rick Terry. Rick Terrian, all the way from Pittsburgh, PA. Good to have you on All the Best today. 
Hey, John, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, I really feel like we're already friends. I read your book, Just Ageless Startup, yesterday and got to know you a little bit through that. But I love your message that, first of all, it's never too late to follow a dream. It's never too late to do something that you feel is in your heart to do. But just the idea that so many hundreds of thousands or millions of people are over the age of 45, 50, 60, and are looking around saying, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And that is your message in Ageless Startup. Where did all this begin for you? So a couple of businesses back, I started writing these things down about the joys of entrepreneurship as it was, you know, huddled up in a cheap motel and Dubuque, Iowa. <laughs> oh my gosh. I <laughs> uh, having just installed some equipment in, but I was thinking about what a privilege it was to be that dirty and have my knuckles busted. And I started writing it down and I, little by little, I didn't really like the writing, but I forced myself to do it. And then pretty much I was starting to look forward to doing it every Friday night. Next thing I knew, I couldn't stop writing every Friday night Dude. and I really liked it. And that's where, how the book emerged from all of this. It was just little things that were really important to me in that week for not so much the stuff of the business, but the, the love and the anxiety of working as an, of an entrepreneur. Wow. Well, you know, some people would think sitting at home writing, especially in a dingy hotel room in Dubuque, <laughs> sorry, Dubuque. But some people would think that'd be a pretty boring Friday night, but you have this, this entre entrepreneurial streak that has been pretty much lifelong for you. But the whole concept of people who are finding themselves basically edged out of the workforce and starting over, where did the love and the passion for that message start for you? Well, it's very interesting. I, there's a couple of ways to approach that and I'll answer your question directly, but then I think there's a way to kind of flip that question a little bit, John, I'd like to poke at, but so it started out this way. I was consulting for one of the largest trade associations in the United States. It was 115 years old. I was looking at the convention floor of this and there was the preeminent leading companies. There was the startups, there was support organizations, vendors, bankers. It was just a sight to see how much they had all built by interacting with each other, building a web together over these decades. And then I looked out in the hallway and there was a groups of men and women in their late fifties, sixties saying goodbye to one another. And they had hit some magic age on somebody's spreadsheet and they had the choice of leaving or getting fired. Wow. And they were all saying goodbye to each other. And these are the people that had just created this wonderful web. I was just admiring. Wow. And they're showing them the door. And I'm thinking, well, this isn't sad. This is stupid. Yeah. It's just dumb. What a ridiculous waste of talent. Oh, it doesn't mean that that group of people in the hallway doesn't want to do things a little bit differently, or maybe they want to go in a different direction. But on the other hand, there's all kinds of new ways to, to, to make that happen. And that's one of the ways I was going to say, John, that we might want to switch that conversation. Because when I was writing this book, there was a lot of ageism in the workplace. Not that there still isn't, but it was just right on the edge. You could see it. People wore it on their sleeves. But as this pandemic has kicked through and thrown sand into all the gears of this economy, all of a sudden there's a brand new market 
for talent and expertise and knowledge and value. And a lot of that resides in this work tier right. of people of the second half of life. So it isn't all just, oh, the glass is half empty. The glass actually is at this moment pretty half full. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who would love to come into a talent pool like this and introduce their projects and look for a chief technical officer or a landscape architect or a fire safety specialist, any of the above. There's lots of things. I think this is an inflection point and a change point in the economy. And I think it's going to benefit people in the second half of life in their work life significantly. Right. Well, as I was telling you before we started recording the show today, this topic is very near and dear to me because I found myself starting over at age 58 after a 35-year career in music and in ministry. And I've traveled the world. I've done a lot of different things. And it, it seemed to come to a screeching halt even a little bit pre-COVID, actually, gosh, five years before COVID, kind of hit a wall and things ground down for me. And I, I just kind of found myself in a transition that I didn't quite know how to navigate. And I was basically unemployed and adrift for not a year, but probably eight months or so where I was knocking around going, what am I going to do? I, that the places that I used to fit, I had become too mature for culturally. Let's just be very nice about that. And I just, I was lost to tell you the truth, Rick. And I was meeting with a business coach every week and every week we would come up with something new for me to do. And by the time I got home, I didn't want to do it. And with all of my publishing background and many, many songs recorded and produced, he would just rail on me about doing something with my music publishing knowledge. And I'd started businesses before and I didn't want to do it. And I was kind of afraid. And one day, long, long story short, I found the URL for uh, what is now my, I'm in my seventh year with Nashville Christian Songwriters. And I found NashvilleChristianSongwriters.com for $13.99. And suddenly I was a startup. And I raised some capital and it's been, there've been a lot of ups and downs in these seven years, but you know, we're still here and I'm 64 now and I'm starting johnchism.com that now you're on this podcast. So it's still scary as hell, bro. And here you are advocating that us old folks jump into the water. How, I mean, how do people begin to know where to start? Okay, buy your book. Let's start there. <laughs> Plug for the book. <laughs> well, they can get the book out of the library. But So, John, your foundation story is a, is a really good kicking off place for this. My recommendation has always been is to start it before you need it. Start small, start smart, but most of all, start right now. So when we all find ourselves at this, some sort of an inflection point where we weren't expecting it, rather than being adrift while we figure it out, maybe we can take control of that narrative a little earlier before we get to the trouble spot. Mm. And when trouble hits, we've got this project or projects, plural, to help us be more resilient through that. So the, uh, again, that start small, start smart, but the start right now, I always, you know, I go, I fall back on that analogy of when's the best time to plant a tree. Uh, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. 
next best time is today. Right. Right. right? It's going to take a long time. Yeah. No matter what we do, this is not typically the folks who are listening into my conversations are not 20 year olds sleeping under their desks and chasing VCs around. These are people that want to make a difference in the world, yeah. want to make their own lives more resilient. And there's plenty of ways to do that as really small businesses. Right. I love that you point out that the majority of businesses in America are run by individuals. And the whole idea of starting now where when you might still be in a pretty good paying day job. But if and, and I don't and I think I'd love for you to address this. You don't have to be an a writer or an artist or someone who is artsy, you know, in that way, pursuing writing your your big novel or becoming the next Stephen King, but it could be in the service industry or some kind of niche. I love uh, one of the phrases in your book. It's close to this riches are in the niches. I think I'm very close to that. I love that phrase. It's a great phrase. Could you, how, how did someone listening to this who might say they they work in a day job, but they don't know what they would do. How can they find that talent or find what their niche might be. Do you have any suggestions for that? Well, I can think of some examples for how that might work out. There's a, a woman who's in the Center for Ageless Entrepreneurs. She led a corporate life for many years. It was very stressful, a construction business and a lot of government contracting. It was very fast paced, a ton of details. And she decided that really wasn't the way that she wanted to go out and hold on to a job like that for as long as she could. She was one of 12 kids and she was a middle one and she used to have to make her own clothes, right? They'd be hand me out downs and hand me ups and they would make their own clothes and adjust their own clothes. And here she gets to the latter part of her life. And a friend of hers asked her about fixing up her great grandmother's wedding dress that a mm. kid might want to use it, a, a new generation. Well, these things had been moldering in the back of closets and old drawers. Nobody wanted to get rid of this stuff. It was grandma's for goodness sake. Uh, but they really weren't capable of using it. Joan started using her skills that she learned as a little kid and carried on through her life of repurposing these fabrics, changing them around. And you jump to two, three, four, five years later, when she decided to actually leave her job, it got increasingly more stressful, time to make the jump. She had her own little micro business in place called Heirlooms Again, and it was to take family heirloom fabrics, grandpa's old ties, beloved ties, or grandma's wedding dress, and repurpose them into Christmas ornaments or a wedding oh, pillows. Wow. That's really cool. When she retired from her corporate job, she had a waiting list of two years for customers. Wow, that's great. And she has the best business model of anybody I know. Her, her goal, her mission of her business is to make her customers cry. <laughs> and they all do. Well, I, I've probably made a few of mine cry, but for the wrong reasons. But there's, there's little things you could pick up in your life and find them and make niches out of them. These maybe are not going to be multi-million dollar businesses, but they're businesses that can make you more resilient. And this is a job that John could do until she's a hundred. That's amazing. And, and you do say that, that being an entrepreneur really builds the person 
as well as, you know, business, right? That it, that it helps rebuild people, businesses, and even communities. So can you open that up a little bit more? I love that story. Well, so the fact is that we all have communities we love, markets we love. We have knowledge, maybe not connected to those markets or those communities. We have knowledge we've grown up with, information we've gathered, networks we've built. Nobody's on their own at this time of life. You've got lots of connections. All of that has value. So the trick is, is how to bring it all together and knit it together in a way that you've got your own little platform to take out into the world. And I'll, and I'll go back to those three things again, John, if you'll give me a, a moment is to start small, but to start smart. So here's the deal. One person businesses can make their owners a lot more resilient, but it's really hard to be a one person business only and going out and marketing and marketing, and pushing all the time. The trick is, is to get into networks and find your tribe. And that's one of the reasons why we started this center for ageless entrepreneurs so that it can be people from all kinds of different disciplines, but learning and getting excited about options, learning about new projects, learning about who's looking for a network, or when somebody comes in and says, John, we'd like to hire you to do such and such a thing, but we need these four other skill sets. You could say, you know what? I've got a network for that. I've got a yeah. tech over here. So now you're not just, you, you harden yourself up into a small one person, two person business. Get all that legal structure around yourself. It's important to harden yourself up. You want to be a professional, but then go and find other people to not just be an atom, but start to become a molecule. Wow. That's excellent. That, that really is powerful. And it's, it, it. I mean, it feels like we're in some kind of tectonic cultural shift when it comes to the the different demographics. You know, we're in the boomer generation and now what have two or three, four more generations under us at this point, right? right. And yet our society, our culture, the demands of digitalization, the way it all works anymore is shifting and changing to where someone such as you or I now have the opportunity to have a business in our front bedroom, right? We can, with a microphone, we can start a podcast and reach people all over the world with whatever message that we have. And uh, you know, as, as I said, I work with a lot of songwriters and the first thing that I, I, I talk to these writers about is finding their mission because so many of them want to be stars. They see the recording artist, you know, up on the stage or, they, or on the, the recording or on the radio or whatever, and they want to be those people, but they don't understand what's gone into those people being those people. And those people all started with a dream. They started with a mission. They started with a, the, a seed of something that wanted, uh, that made them want to serve in some fashion. So when I think about my life now in my 60s, I feel that I'm in the convergence of a lot of seasons, if you will. And I'm drawing on skills that I've built since my, maybe my teens, but for sure my 20s. And so what would your advice be to someone who maybe they're in their mid 50s right now and they see the clock ticking and I know start now, but how do you, have you coached anyone as far as assessing 
maybe what their skill sets might be? Any advice around that? Because I know people that would look at me and say, I can't do that. I don't know how to start a business. How do you help them assess maybe what they could do and then get started down that path? Right. And a lot of that is in them, I'm going to say. I'm not much of a coach. I'm more of a throw it against the wall. <laughs> That's cool. But yeah. what I do tell people is that they should be thinking about this and planning it when they're 45. They should be doing it when they're 50 and they should be operating it for as long as they want. Mm. Uh, it just, it and, and that in a sense sort of cheats that question a little bit is that right. it's going to take a little while to figure it out. Uh, and you may have a few false starts in there, but that's the reason to get it going under underway early as, as you can. I, I think that's that's great. We'll let you skirt that issue and maybe maybe I can fill in a little of the gap just because I think it's important to not try to go off into a skill to start a business around a skill you don't possess. Right. Maybe to look back, if you've been a business person, maybe there's a way to parlay some of that knowledge uh, into maybe serving on boards or starting some kind of uh, business that serves small businesses in some way, right? As a consultant, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's one place to start would just be in consultancy. But you've done some interesting things. You come from a manufacturing background. And you, I know that you hold, was it nine patents in that area? And, but you've also worked, I think it was with the state of Wisconsin around the food industry or food sourcing. Can you tell us a little bit about that and uh, how that plays into this discussion? If it does. It, it does. It's another, it's a piece of work that I did in my life that I really love. The the patents and the manufacturing all came out of very heavy industry. But, it, but then I start, I helped start a um, nonprofit economic development agency in rural Wisconsin that I, it led me eventually into this food trade. But when I learned there, John, I'm going to take an aside and bring back something that you had said early in our conversation today about the idea of one person businesses. And this is where I sort of, a very small businesses. This is sort of where I, I got mad at the system. Economic development types at the state and regional levels would talk about these one person businesses as lifestyle businesses. And they said it sort of sneeringly. They wanted a car company to come and build a, you know, multi-billion dollar plant in their thing. And one person businesses just weren't important to them. Well, when I was researching the book, I learned, and this was just pre-pandemic, so late 19, I think it went through 2019, there was 32 million businesses in the United States. And of those 32 million businesses, 25 million were one person. You businesses. are kidding me. That is an statistic. Like 78%. Now the revenue, you know, revenue models are going to come from that smaller group or, you know, the, the larger companies, not right person. Of course. But if there's 25 million people pre-pandemic, taking care of themselves and taking care of their communities in unique and creative ways. Uh, you tell me something bad about that. Oh my goodness. And especially if you're one of the 25 million, that's making yourself more resilient and helping the communities that markets you love. Right. Right. Um, 
So I've stayed with that. And I, I was recruited to Pittsburgh to help with a, a startup here. And it is meant to advance the cause of artisan scale food businesses and food commerce, a regional food business. That's a long, different story, but it's one that overlaps with this significantly. I spend most of my days helping small food companies mm. come to life. Okay. Okay. I knew it had something to do with it. I was reading through your book and you used the word artisan just a moment ago. And I know there's a section in the book uh, that is about the artisan culture that is now, if I'm saying that correctly, and I've said this for the last five years as I've watched as independent songwriters and artists, you know, really have had to take on the role of not only being the singer songwriter, but being their record, their own record company, their own producers, their own market marketing and, and promotion department. They had to be everything. They've had to become entrepreneurs when in the past they would depend on a record label or a publisher. That was the old model to get out and promote and make stars of them. But now it's incumbent upon anyone who's wanting to have any voice on the internet to just basically do it yourself. And with the pandemic, I've watched as a lot of these people have scrambled to do what I've been preaching for a while, which is take ownership. You're a business. You are responsible for how you show up in the world. And now with this data on the, the one person businesses, it has to be a lot more than 25 million at this point, as you said. So it's a whole new economy. It, it is that artisan economy. We find our tribes. Uh, Seth Godin had it right, you know, that, that it is, is all about tribes these days. And I'll give you one more little, little insight here and then turn it back to you to talk about artisan culture if you'd like. But a record label executive, one of the most successful in town, is one of my dear friends. And he said in a, a meeting recently that the day of the record label is probably coming to an end sooner than later because of this very thing that we're seeing a meteoric rise in independent songwriters and artists and people don't need record labels anymore because of the uh, very democratized field of the internet so we're in an artisan culture and I, I love what you're up to with the small businesses in the food industry uh, can you open up a little more of that well, I, I'd love to. And the statistics that got us to 25 million of 32 million businesses, the arc of small business startups has been a very small, gradual upturn for the last 20 or 30 years. Little tiny ups and downs, but it's generally up. Market conditions. This pandemic hit, and this just turned straight up. Nobody has ever seen this many startups ever in North America and the United States. And these aren't just people anecdotally. These are people registering with the IRS for new business startups. So the artisan culture that this is engendering is perfect timing yeah. to meet the needs. You just quoted Seth Godin on, on tribes and yet subject. And here's the idea of a really small business. I love this piece. And I, I, I've got Seth Godin. Golden quotes all over my wall here. But the best one, it's the best way to make a hit is to build something for the smallest viable audience and make it so good that people tell their peers. Mm. That's the 
kernel of a new small business. Your, your customers are your marketing team. Just as you were talking about the singer-songwriters all of a sudden having to do all of that, well, suddenly one or two of them is going to say, or 10 of them are going to say, I'm really good at promotions or I'm really good at copywriting. Well, now they're starting to develop their own subspecialties in addition to that. And maybe when they need a copywriter, they'll call Helen. And when Helen needs, you know, somebody to press records, whatever that would be, they'll have those networks and those networks are growing and emerging right now. It's the, I think there's a great reason to bring them together and give them new platforms so they can meet one another. Right. That's why I like the nonprofit part. Yeah. So it sounds like more of a co-op when you think of, uh, it's the stone soup parable. Right. right. Everybody bringing what they have and, and a little a little more tribal in a lot of ways when you think about it. And so, yeah. So what do you think for maybe someone listening today and they're thinking, oh, my goodness, I I think this is something I need to be looking into, of course, by your book. We're going to put the information in the show notes, of course, and how to reach you. But what do you think some of the best industries might be to begin a startup a little bit later I think any industry is ripe for coming at it as a small scale, independent, and I'm going to use the word consultant carefully here. This is not McKinsey level consulting where you're, you know, opening up and doing all the books for them and making the projections, but it's bringing wisdom and knowledge and understanding and experience to peers right now, anywhere in the world. I, I think it's that idea of a consultancy rather than it, as, a, as a way to offer a service. Right now, we're, we're exchanging knowledge as much as we're exchanging goods. I think that's the sweet spot in this for us right now. It's also a way for us as entrepreneurs in the second half of life, this ageless entrepreneurs to control our time. 25% of the people in that demographic that were headed towards retirement said they'd like to start their own business. But they didn't necessarily want to have to make every penny that they're going to live on off of it. They wanted to make themselves stronger and better and a little more resilient. So the fact that you could start up one of these small consultancies and end up adding 15 or 20 or 25 grand in the first year or two or three, I mean, if, if you need this to pay the rent, then that's probably not going to happen. But if you can make yourself stronger and start to build more customers, and have those customers telling their peers right. about you. Right. Now you've got a way to grow older and to control your time, control the you know, your place in commerce out in the world to the way you want it, the way it fits your life. Yeah, exactly. Well, I know that it was a baptism in pickle juice when I started this thing, man. I was freaking out. I mean, I had a piece about it, but... I I did not know my butt from a hole in the ground, man. And I have schooled myself. I have learned. I have I, I have over two hundred titles in my Audible book. You're now in my Kindle. I I'm just a, a huge consumer of nonfiction, self help, motivational business. I mean, good, good to great was a long time ago, bro on, you know, on my, on my Kindle. And I think that's what it, it's what it's taken for me. And I was like, like I said earlier, I was kind of thrown into the deep end, but we have learned to swim 
and we're doing well, even to the point of starting my own johnchism.com and all the best that you're now on and beginning to coach people who might be in transition. So if you're out there today listening and, and you feel like you'd like somebody to talk to about your transition, just go to johnchism.com, fill out the information form, and I'd love to get on a, on a phone call with you and and just talk about, you know, even this, this, this conversation, because it is something that is real in our culture. And sooner or later, everyone's going to be faced with it in some way, you know? So parting words, what, what do you, what, what, what do you have there, man? I see you're, 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 you're brimming with and, and excitement. <laughs> Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation, John, and I and I would like to take that last piece that you were just talking about and expand it a little. We're twisting John's arm to come on into the CAE <laughs> for people in general to find these like John and like you know all of the Helens and Marys and Pete's and Sams that are out there doing that who would love to contribute to your knowledge as you come up and into this new kinds of platform. So this is self-interest, but I do think this Center for Ageless Entrepreneurs is going to uh, put a group of us that has John Chisholm skills, that has Rictarian skills, that has Joan Izzo skills. And people can come and find their own connections and needs, and pretty soon they can turn around and start helping the next group that comes in. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not just altruism, right? There's money changing hands. There's invoices being written, checks being cashed. This is a we're trying to make this sustainable over the next few decades. Well, listen, you're not twisting my arm, and I'm <laughs> excited to make a friend of you today and to come on in. Send me the 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 uh, e document, the DocuSign, man. I, I'm in. Uh, it reminds me, I'm actually working right now with an 89 year old book editor, and I'll give a little shout out to Cease Murphy down in the Hotlanta area and I've known Cease for probably 12 or 15 years. And as I'm working on a couple of manuscripts, Cease is an editor for me and brilliant man. He sends, he sends back my drafts just bloody with red, man. He's, <laughs> he's all over it, but, but he, that's a good, <laughs> but you know what? Good for him, you know, to still yes. be sharp and active and, and going at it and making a huge contribution to my life and hopefully to my future readers. And maybe I can convince Cease uh, to come into the center as well. But I think it would be ideal. There's almost everybody has a book in them. I know, right? Uh, and nobody has access to a book editor. Exactly. Uh, oh. you, know, you go through agents and all the rest before you can get to them. It's kind of luck of the draw by the time you get there. If Cease were to come in and say, I am Cease, you don't know me, but I'm a book editor. They're going to be queued up. <laughs> well, he is a, he's an awesome soul. Cease, I love you, buddy, if you listen to this. But Rick, let's talk again, bro. And I uh, just keep encouraging people who find themselves, you know, drawn to this or maybe even pushed as I was to find their feet once again. Great. And John, I've got to uh, just pitch it real quick. I've got a quick website for the Center for Ageless Entrepreneurs, which is www.agelessentrepreneurs.org. And there's all the ways to find this organization and get connected to it. Awesome. And your book, Ageless Startup, is there on your side. We're going to put all that information in the show notes. So everybody go check that out. Rick Terry, and thanks so much. 
Thank you, John. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for hanging out with me today on All the Best. If you like the show, be sure to share it out with your family and friends on your social media and drop me a line at john at johnchism.com. I would love to hear from you. I also want to invite you to jump over to my site right now to sign up for my free 31-day motivational email series. It's designed to help you go for all the best in life. If you're needing some real change, fresh motivation and inspiration, this could be just the thing to get you going. You can find it at johnchism.com and I'll see you next time.